I was literally in line checking out of my lunch and just like looked at my phone. Bruh, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for which trade? Uh, the second one. The the, the second one. one. Yeah. No. The uh, um, the Pelicans one. Are we live? Yeah, but I'm not gonna. Uh, there, there are folks in, but we're we're. I'm, we'll, we'll talk, I'll, I'll, sorry, folks. That one's for me to tell Seth later. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, folks. Yeah. All right. With uh, with with Mo promising to to uh, keep keep his best stuff from from the live audience. Let's get started here. Uh, this is Colin Shots. <laughs> I am Seth Part now. Uh, I'm joined today on a very special episode by my uh, podcast partner from Nerds. She wrote. Uh, with, you know, this is Dave DeFore Erasure. He's not here. Uh, and, you know, so we're free to frolic about uh, in, in ways that we are, we're constrained by under the, you know, the, the, the tyranny of Dave DeFore. So, Mo, how's it going? Does it feel good to have this much space to explore the studio space? Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, being able to, to, to go without those restraints. Seth. He's been holding us behind. No, nah, just kidding. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, um, no, man, you know, it's going well. It's, it's, as you know, and as I'm assuming everybody who's coming to this room knows, bit of a crazy day so far. It's, they say the NBA needs a deadline, and it's now it's like the, it's, it's now like the pre-deadline. They're, they're pre-showing the deadline now this year. Right. <laughs> you know, like, these are the appetizers we're hoping. Right, yeah. like, I mean, this is what we're hoping is the beginning of a series of stuff. Well, the Halliburton one feels like it might be the main course, but do you want to start there? Yes, let's let's start there. What's it, I'm going to feel the show. What were your thoughts when you first saw it? Um, if you'd have asked people yesterday if you could get Tyrese Halliburton straight up for Demontis Sabonis, they would have looked at you like you're crazy. <laughs> right. I mean, it's 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 wild, right? Like, I have questions for both teams, though. And 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 the funny thing is, I don't feel like I'm afraid to go too far in on Indiana because I don't think Indiana's done yet. Yeah, but I think I mean, I, but I think that Indiana has like had signaled earlier in the year that they're going to like retool slash rebuild, and um, I liked what they did over the weekend, and I thought they did very well in the Karis Levert, Levert trade. And if they, I think they've done very well here. So, like, what are they as a team right now? I'm not sure. I'm also not sure it mattered because they were kind of locked into a just okay at best roster, and now they've kind of flipped that over a little bit and have got one of the more interesting young players in the league and added, you know, some 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 draft capital, and they they um. Uh, and have have you know cleared up their 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 salary cap situation a little bit, and I just kind of like what they've done. I mean, it's hard not to for a team. Obviously, kind of the teardown part is is always the easy part of a rebuild, but if you actually acquire a player like Tyrese Halliburton as part of that, you're kind of jump starting it. Yeah, I, I I like the Halliburton aspect of it. To me, it's just funny because I feel it's a duplicate of what they get in Brogdon. But younger and more healthy, uh, in, in 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 my opinion of it, and it's funny because they just signed Brogdon to that extension. So my question is, you know, is this going to be a Brogdon, Brogdon is going to be available in the off season? He's not available to be traded now because the extension he signed. But it's it's that's kind of further down the road. I I do like what they're doing with the rebuild. Again, it's it's I like the Levert trade just in the pure fact they got 
uh, a late first and, a, and an early second, I believe in in those in that yeah. trade. Like great great draft capital. Just the pure fact that Levert gets you that, but Norman Powell doesn't, is shocking to me. Um, I, I, I'm a bigger fan of Norman Powell than I am Karis Levert, but I just find that kind of surprising. And it, 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 they did really well on that trade. This trade, I like it, and and but I want to see what the finished product looks, and that's more next season than than right now, right? Like I think the rest of this year is going to be if they don't make another move, going to be interesting. You know, they're going to play around, see what they got with guys, but I think there'll be other stuff in the offseason that they're going to start to, to make moves with. Am I wrong, or do they have the they have the fifth worst record in the league right now? I believe the, they have the fifth worst. I think you're correct. There or thereabouts. And um, as much as we like Tyrese Halliburton, I think for a guy to kind of uh, raise the floor of a of a not awesome team, I think Sabonis is better at that. He just he can just use more possessions. So. Um, this sort of helps them run in that direction a little bit too, and then, you know, I'm I'm I, I don't want to uh, suggest I'm some kind of draft guy, but it's supposedly a four-player draft, so getting, you know, getting in for one of those spots is is another way to kind of kind of goose things. So yeah, I um I, I also like the fact that like Indiana has never really had under, under Kevin Pritchard or really ever has had the the leeway to kind of uh, let's hit the reset button and this year they finally get that permission and oh okay that's uh um <laughs> right you know, it's, it's like, like that that's the kind of i mean i think as a pacers fan you have to feel pretty good about you know the management of your team if like given permission to do this they they flip that that switch you know pretty expertly thus far yeah no they've done a great job in, in kind of, let me put it this way, their rebuild is already ahead of the Blazers, right? Like, just kind of just looking at it on that aspect of it to me is like, they're, they're, they're kind of, both those teams are looking to kind of rebuild but don't want to be in a super long kind of tank scenario or things like that. They're already ahead of the Blazers with the moves they've made. Tyrese Halliburton's going to be a real nice piece. I think Rick Carlisle's going to love coaching him. I think that's another aspect of it that just kind of, you know, as as I'm thinking about it more and more, I'm like, that's that's a pretty good pairing for Carlisle. You know, that's going to be a guy he's going to like to be able to mold and, and and things like that. I I think for Pacers fans, you got to be excited. You've just been kind of like on the treadmill of mediocrity for quite a while, right? And 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 just sort of uh, uh, just sort of continuing to run the same thing. Maybe you get into the playing tournament. Maybe you get squeak into the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round. Like, you just haven't been good enough for a while. And I think, you know, it, it's time to kind of start doing this rebuild. And if you do it right, we've seen teams do it relatively quickly and turn it around with some smart moves, a couple of smart draft picks and things like that. Get a little lucky in the lottery, and this thing changes very quickly. Yeah, and I think that the – just to I've put, a, put a point on, on the Pacers – is um, I think they've been a team that's sort of always each individual moves like, okay, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Then you look at where it gets you and it kind of, like you said, locks you into a certain spot. And so they just needed like a, like just a, like to just a discontinuity, just a complete break of how they're operating. And they've done that. And now it's, it, it looks completely different. Let's talk about the Kings. Ah. Um, <laughs> yes. 
So there's like you can squint and see the outlines of sense making here. Like for you know he, he does have some shortcomings as a player, but Demonte Sabonis is really good. He's like that's like I think for right now he's the best player in the deal. Um, him and De'Aaron Fox together that's not a that's that that's a pairing that makes some sense. However. Two things. However, what does that what does that pairing seem like it needs? It needs shooting, right? And, and and you just sent out your your best shooter. Your your two best shooters, really. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Halliburton and 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 Hills, right? Yeah, and um, if you had like let it be known that you were considering Tyrese Halliburton trades, could you have done better? <laughs> I think you'd get a lot of calls. I think you yeah. get a lot of, like, I think you really kind of do. It's just funny on the Kings' perspective because it's a few weeks ago they're in for Ben Simmons. Okay, we're not interested in trading, you know, Fox or Halliburton. Like, you know, those guys are untouchable. Like, we we wouldn't at all trade those guys uh, for Ben Simmons or, or anybody for that matter. And it's like, do you guys not look at, do they not have mirrors in Sacramento? Seth? I haven't been up there in a while. Is there a mirror shortage? Up there, because it's like, have you guys not looked at yourselves in the mirror and seen your record and see what your team looks like? Nobody on that team should have been untouchable, you know. And 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 you can make the argument of like, all right, well, maybe you don't trade Halliburton or or whatever, but like, you don't. You got a good deal here in Sabonis. It's an upgrade in terms of talent. I think it raises your floor a little bit. But it's just funny to me with, like, you didn't really give anybody a chance to look around. You might have gotten a better deal. Might have gotten even more draft picks out of this or something. Like, there's an opportunity there of shopping it here a little bit. And I think that's kind of the mistake there a little bit. Unless they're just – they've been in love with Sabonis for the longest time. It's either been Ben Simmons or Sabonis for the Kings. So, I think once they pulled out of the the uh, Ben Simmons race and decided, Hey, we're going to go all in on Sabonis. I think it was just them getting that tunnel vision of he's our guy. This is who we're going to. But my thing with the pairing set is you're the 29th worst defense in the league, according to defensive rating. And, you know, Sabonis doesn't fix that. It doesn't help you. Especially Sabonis, like really, this is, this also almost forces another move from them because like, you can't. I don't think you can play Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes and uh, Harrison Barnes together, right? And you know that's that that you know maybe just from a like and those guys are all with the possible exception of Holmes are making too much to be bench players, so that almost forces another move. And Sabonis is you know problematic both positions defensively, um, and. I think probably probably defensively it makes more sense if he's at the four next to Holmes than if he's the five next to to, to Barnes. But still, it's not it's it's a downgrade defensively. Like Halliburton was their best defensive player, right? I mean, it's just it's it's all the stuff that they're doing. It's just kind of like I just shake my head at it, going like, what what, what what's the thinking? You know? And again, maybe they have a trade lined up for for Barnes right now that we're going to look and go like, wow, they. Can't believe they got that for Barnes, but um, I don't think so. I don't think there's something out there that's really going to really knock your socks off. I mean, I think they've lost leverage on that front as well. Yeah, because you're right; they got to move him. They can't. I mean, Holmes is a guy that's interesting for a lot of places, but again, he's not. 
he's not going to be a guy that's going to bring back a major piece for you. I just think they've put themselves in a weird position, and it's like I don't feel like they're in a better position today than they were yesterday to get in the playing tournament. You know, like I just feel like that's kind of the 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 weird spot that they're in. Like I I, I watch how they're putting this team together, and I look at it over and over again. I'm just like I don't. It's frustrating, and I feel bad for Kingsfit because I just don't understand what they're doing. Like I don't see the next. I don't see the. I can understand it. I understand what Portland did when they made the trade for Norman Powell. I understand it, whether I agreed with it or not. Different story. I understand what they did with the CJ McCollum trade. I understand. I see the path they're trying to go. Well, okay. we'll get to Fair that. Enough. But I love Portland's side of that deal. Yeah, and we'll and we'll, and we'll get to that. And, and 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 I'm there. But what I'm saying is, like when I look at Sacramento, it's like. Man, every time I think I know what you guys are doing, you go a whole other direction. And it's 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 not even a 180, it's like a 90-degree turn. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a street um, you could turn onto. So it's just a funny thing. And it's, and it's been different regimes. It's been different GMs doing it. Like, I don't know what happens when you go to Sacramento. Something's in the water, Seth. That's, that's all I can conclude. Well, didn't we... Um... Didn't uh, didn't didn't we last week? Wasn't one of our topics uh, someone asking like how uh, ownership is a is a competitive advantage <laughs> in the NBA? Yes, yeah. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, by the way, p- folks who are listening in, if you if you got questions for for more of me, uh, raise your hand. We'll get you up on stage and and answer them. We're kind of we're, we're a little bit reacting in real time to stuff. We had we had stuff we had planned to talk about, and that kind of went out the window this morning, and then it really went out the window around lunchtime. <laughs> so we're. I will say we're this. When I saw the the alert come in, my first reaction was just like, "Wow!" Yeah, <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, the, I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't as I was surprised the McCollum trade happened today. Mm-hmm. But let, we'll, let's let's uh, let's get Kyle let get Kyle in for uh, uh, a question here, and then we'll we'll move to that one at some point. I'm sure. Kyle, how's it, how's it going? What you got for us? Hey guys. Um curious about something so it seems like obviously everybody's dunking on the kings uh for uh this trade but with with the guard uh spots in indiana are pretty crowded now as well so was wondering how often do you see a quote-unquote lose-lose trade it's even hard to even come up with fake ones so is is this something that we should appreciate as the rare uh lose-lose trade (laughs) are you are you talking about the from the pacer side yeah, I, I'm mostly uh, being tongue in cheek, but yeah, just okay, the idea yeah. of the Pacers no, having four guards now that are all pretty good and and unbalancing the roster. The idea of right. obviously Sabonis being better around shooting and and getting rid of uh, you know the, having the shooting go one way and Sabonis go the other. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's mostly a Kings issue, obviously. Yeah, no, it's there. I think there are not infrequently trades where you're like, I think both teams just got worse. Right. Like that, that, I mean, that does happen. I don't think this is one of those. I think I think the, uh, uh, a, a trade that does kind of fit that category a little bit is the Russell Westbrook John Wall trade. I don't <laughs> I don't know how anybody else was, but I kind of feel like that was that. And and by the way, if they get traded for each other again, I'm sure it's going to be the first time in history that the two consecutive years these the same players get traded for each other. That's that's even beyond lose lose. That that goes in the Hall of Fame of the lose lose trade in my opinion, if that were to happen again, if the Lakers and Houston put one together. But, you know, there, it, I think that's probably the closest, I would say, to the most recent memory that comes into my head of, like, lose-lose. 
but no, that, that I mean that the the idea of like two teams trading like trading into you know du- duplication going back either way, like yeah, that is that would kind of be a, a lose lose trade because you know um, I, I'm pretty firmly on draft being just take the best player and worry about fit later with trades and sightings like fit has to be a prime consideration because aside from the very best players like fit is pretty determinative of of how good guys are um i want that actually brings me to something i wanted to push back on a little bit mo you were you're talking about um brogdon and halliburton being duplicative and that's true but it's kind of good duplicative like they're both the like brogdon assuming health and halliburton now are really interesting players because you could they could go to any team and find a slot because of their their skill sets. And no, I mean, I, I I just think though, like for me, like I'm also not a huge Brogdon guy um, with that, but I just think it kind of creates a weird dynamic in the sense of like at a certain point, I want to I want to have versatility on my team, and I don't think you really have it that much when you have the same guys. They're the Spider-Man meme, pointing at each other, <laughs> for, the, but, for the most part. Though, though at the same time, they are kind of guys who, who in themselves are versatile. But you're right. There's like, there's no pure like you. You've got two, two interesting combo guards, and that doesn't that that sometimes adds up to a good backcourt, and sometimes it adds up to not really having a point guard. So that's that is <laughs> that is that is a worry, though. I think Halliburton. I, I think that honestly, Halliburton has a chance to be a, um, if slightly non-traditional, but I think he has a chance to be a pretty solid, if, if not better, lead guard. Just he's not. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a magician, like off the dribble, but with his size and 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 feel, like he can do some things. Like he, like there's been stats coming around about the games he's played without Fox, and and it's it's. Um, He's, he's played pretty well as as like the pure one in those spots. So that's um, I, I, I think he can. I think he can play. I have yeah. no question about. It. I think he just needs that turn the keys over to him and not have that look over his shoulder of like, okay, they're just gonna. It's almost like the same scenario when you have him and and, and Brogdon that you had him and Fox. I think to a degree, even though very different players, Brogdon and Fox. I I'm well aware of that, but. I still kind of feel like you almost have that same dynamic in play, and he's still not able to fully unleash, you know, the true Halliburtonness of whatever <laughs> that may be. But like we're 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 not fully able to un- see that power yet until it's like, all right, just go, don't worry, just go. Yeah, I think I I think I would still disagree with you a little bit in that um, I think that um, they both have better partners now for but more complementary partners like. Kind of the the Levert and Levert and Fox were each less complementary partners for for uh, Halliburton and Brogdon than they are for each other. That's fair. Well, we will we will be finding out very soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anything else we want to say about on, on the King side of this? Like, I just like I don't I just don't see how you. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange one to me. It's I'm this is I'm I'm flabbergasted by this trade. To I, be I, with you. I I I don't really like it for them, 
even though it's funny, they got the better player just in a, a, a just you know you just look at it like all right, Sabonis is the better player than Halliburton, but like I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for them. I don't. They were almost better off going like, hey, it's kind of like you're saying with Indiana. Let's just try to go get a good top four, top five draft pick, and then start going there. And you know, I think it's something where it's like, you know, I would have revisit, I would have visited trading Fox in the off season before trading Halliburton in season. Would have probably been the first thing I would have looked at. Yeah, um, no, even that, even if you're deciding like, hey, you know, I, it's understandable why the Kings, who have not been in the postseason ever, would maybe. Ah. Did the cat get you? Did the cat get you? No, I accidentally hit the I hit the music play button and Ace of Spades started playing. Hopefully that didn't come through. Uh, I didn't I didn't, I didn't hear that. I just okay. heard a lot of like uh, uh, and I was like, "Oh, maybe the cat's finally going no, after." Her. No, I was there's a lot a lot of lemmy really loud in my ear. Uh, um um no, uh no, if if they if they decided like, "Hey, we need to we need to try to make the play in this year." Um Halliburton is like the last guy I would be looking to move to do that. Like yeah. that's, that's the like you you can accomplish the same yeah. Anyway, I think yeah. I think our mystification on this and, and, and Kyle, thanks for the question. Um anything else? No, uh, I think the only other thing Oh Kyle's Go ahead. Oh, my bad. Sorry, <laughs> was that for me, Seth? Yes. Yeah, the only thing that is interesting, just looking at cleaning the glass, is how bad the Kings have been with Halliburton uh, as the point guard, as cleaning the glass uh, characterizes it. Notwithstanding those numbers, they're minus 15, 10th percentile offense, uh, 8th percentile defense. Now, it's playing with a lot of a lot of guys that maybe you wouldn't like him to play with. But uh, anyway, it's, it's interesting, and, and I certainly agree that the – Kings shouldn't have done this, but I, I don't think it's necessarily as, as one-sided as a lot of folks seem to be suggesting. I mean, I, no, I will say that, that that it's not like my instant reaction was shock and horror. Um, and I've come down a little bit from that, but I still do not like it. Shock and horror often confused with shock and awe. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and then you get Fox and Halliburton, and no. Um, no. Um, We'll we'll just have to see how it plays out because like yeah. there's got to be something for Barnes now. I can't imagine they're going to try to think, hey, we're going to go into the the playing tournament. We're going to make it with, you know, this being our our front court. Like, I can't see that being the case. So let's let's pivot a little bit. And before we get to the the other trades, just because I have a feeling that that if we get going on those, we could go for like the rest of the time we have. Let's let's let's. Um, I think you know people would be interested in hearing about like how this actually works, how the trade deadline, how trades work just from, from the operation side. I mean, I think especially, you know, your experience as a film guy and, and mine analytics, like we have some perspectives on how these in-season things kind of happen. So um, wh- one of those things that, that, that people often talk about with trades is, well, you get a guy in season, you can't really run all your stuff. You know, you, you, it takes him a while to get up to speed it'll be better next year after he has a full training camp, that kind of stuff. So what can you, can you tell us a little bit about like what happens when a guy like shows up on a team? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the, the, this is kind of where your video department really pays off dividends in terms of, you know, throughout the season, I'm putting together our offensive playbook and our defensive playbook, you know, things that make, you know, 
we finally run a play in a game and it makes perfect and, and we execute it flawlessly. That's you know I'll literally I will have a, a a tag that's literally playbook, and later on I'll pull all the plays from that game that I put labeled playbook, and put them in order and build a a, a video playbook and and you know offensive some of our defensive schemes if we're doing stuff that's a you know a little bit differently and and terminology and things like that, and that's kind of the first thing you want to make sure that player gets is you know when they walk in it's an iPad. Uh, nowadays, I'm sure back in the day it was in physical playbook, um, and we're you know walking through the plays and things like that, and, and you know there's a lot of time spent on in the film room with you know whatever coach you, you know is, is designated to get this guy up to speed. You know you're you're spending extra time with him in the film room. You're spending extra time with him on the court. You know before and after practice. You know you get your strength coach out there. You get your you know, another an assistant. You get your video guys, your player development guys. You know, maybe a couple of uh, players who don't play much, and you walk through the plays and 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 everything you're kind of going through to try to get them up to speed as quickly as possible. You know, it's 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 funny. Teams aren't running an offense as difficult as the triangle was. So like picking up the triangle midseason is extremely difficult in in the sense and that used to be a problem for the Lakers when they would make trades. When they had Phil Jackson, I think the what you're looking for now it's it's almost a little bit easier because everybody kind of runs similar stuff. There's different wrinkles, but it's getting them up to date on the terminology. You know what one team calls floppy, you know another team will call single or whatever. You know it's it's those types of things, and you're you're trying to kind of get them up to speed as quickly as possible, especially if you're a team that's hey this is a piece that's going to help us contend. This is a piece that's going to help us in the playoffs. Like, we need to make sure this guy knows everything. Maybe slightly different if you're tanking. If you're tanking, you probably just give him a different playbook. <laughs> Have him run the wrong play. <laughs> but I think the, the, the idea oh, of it All is, the diagrams are reversed. Oh, man, my bad. <laughs> it's upside down. <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, you kind of just have to put together as much as you can. And you have to do it in a digestible way. Right, like you can't just throw. Hey, we're going to be here an hour. We're going to run through fifteen plays. Like that's hard to digest. You know, let's run through the the the, the first. You know, hey, this is a series of plays we like. You know, out of the Iverson cut, and let's let's kind of run through the Iverson series, which is usually like three or four plays. You just want to get them up to date just enough so that they can kind of start to pick up on things, and you're drip feeding it the whole way, basically almost the rest of the season until you feel like, yo, this guy's got it. And it can take the whole season, depending how complicated your offensive sets are, how how, uh, how difficult your defensive schemes are to pick up. I think there's a whole lot of that stuff, and I think it takes a while. And I think that's kind of like one of the, the most important parts when you find, when you get a new player in, you know, and especially if it's a guy that you're not having to like, hey, we're going to have to rebuild our entire offense around this guy. It's more – this is what we're doing. And then I know I'm rambling, guys, and I apologize. There's just one more point I want to touch on. It's also important for the coach to know what this guy likes. You know, you know, for Alvin Gentry has to understand what are the things, where does DeMontis Sabonis want the ball? Where does he, you know, where does he feel best? You know, the funny story was, you know, uh, one of J.J. Reddick's first practices with the Clippers, with, with Doc, and we we're going through an end-of-game stuff. And, you know, the first thing, you know, 
JJ just kind of turned to Doc, and I can't remember which side he said, but he's like, I like coming off this way. If I'm coming off for a three, you know, end of game three situation, I want to be going to, I think it was to my left. I can't remember, guys. I'm, I'm getting too old. Um, but I think it was along those lines. But that was, you know, Doc Lewis said, good note, let's flip the play, you know, and, and, and you got to change it. But I think that's an important aspect that doesn't get discussed a lot when teams, when we talk about getting the player up to speed, you also got to get the coach up to speed on the guy. Yeah, is that is that a situation where, you know, especially if it's a bench guy maybe, it's, uh, wait, does he know, does he know, does he know our floppy series yet? All right, let's, let's, not, let's not run that while he's in the game. Is that, is that a kind of thing that, that can happen? Absolutely. And, and you can, you can, if you watch, there are definitely times where you will watch a game and you will see, you know, a, a, uh, a <laughs> the new player look confused, you know, and, and, and just kind of be like, in the middle of the play going like, um, guys, anybody, uh, where should I stand here? Or am I, am I supposed to go? Where, anybody help, please? You know, um, like an actor saying line, line. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think it's, it's, you kind of see that stuff. Sometimes you see the guy coming out of the timeout and it's like one of his, one of their teammates will be walking them out of the timeout and like, okay, you're going to go here, then you're going to go there. And, and, and then so that, and, and, and I think that's the kind of stuff you're, you're, you're going to see that. And it's important for the coaching staff. They got to communicate it. Right. So, um, I'm just throwing out names, so you know, just so we kind of con- conceptualize. But like, you know, if if Doc had assigned from, my, I'm just going off my Clipper days, you know, Brendan O'Connor to be the guy to get somebody up to snuff. You know, he's going to look to Brendan, going, you know, Brendan's got to let him know at the start of each game. These are the plays he knows. These are the ones he knows really well. Um, you know, these we we touched on, but we're not there yet. Like, it's important for Doc to know those things, so that when he does call those plays. You know, he, he, or when the guy gets in the game, he calls the right plays to put that guy in a position to succeed because that's ultimately the big, most important thing of coaching. You got to put the guys in position. After that, it's on them. So let's take let's like we're, we just talked about like what happens after a trade. Um, what about before? Um, how how I know this this is this is a general question. You've been with a couple different orgs and and several different coaches, but um, and. and you know, three, three or four GM, different GMs, I think. Um, but you know, how much input kind of beforehand do, do, does the the coaching staff have have on this thing? I can say in my experience, it was kind of like mm, like him, don't like him, absolutely not about that guy. Um, it's often often a player that the coach has had before and did not enjoy having around. Um, so I, I, I like, but um, is is that something you've experienced? And is it ever like? A situation where a coach is like, "Hey, what do we think of this guy?" Or is it just more of an off the cuff? I, it, that one's a tough question to answer in the terms of it, it. Totally depends on the organizations, right? Like in San Antonio when I was there, you know, Pop and RC are completely in line, you know, and they're talking and they're you know watching film and stuff. But ultimately, Pop being the team president, if Pop didn't want the guy, you weren't getting the guy, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like Pop would just kill it. No, not happening. Um, you know, and, and, and I think the, and there wasn't a lot of instances where I think they were not aligned, you know, I think that, you know, him and RC, I don't want to paint that, that picture in that way, you know, and then there are times where you have a GM where it's like, let's, let's look at it this way. Let's look at the Knicks. They made a trade for Cam Reddish. Thibodeau's not playing him. Everything mm-hmm. we're hearing now is they're trying to make trades to basically get rid of the guys Thibodeau's playing ahead of him to force I mean, him I, to play Cam Reddish. I, I, I think it's been reported that that he kind of said no, don't trade for that guy because I'm not going to play him. 
right and, before they and, before and, they actually made the move. Right. So you, you you do have those instances, right? And teams are going to have that. I mean, it's it's that dynamic, and that's always a bad sign in terms of the front office and the coaching tree not being aligned. Like that's a scary situation, right? And it's um, you know it's a great example of. Uh, uh, for everybody that's seen the movie Moneyball, when Brad Pitt's character Billy Bean comes down, going like, "You're not playing him because I just traded." Can't him. start Pena at first base. There we go. I couldn't remember the name. You yeah. can't start Pena at first base. Why? Because I just traded him. It's that kind of stuff. And and you know, coaches have some can have some say, but ultimately, depending on the organization structure, a lot of times they just got to deal with what's what's given to them. And that's why you see there was that run where coaches were like, "I want to have what Pop has." I want to be team president. I want to be able to not only have to cook with the groceries, I want to pick them. You know, the, the Bill Parcells kind of phrase, which I completely butchered um, with all that, but it, it's along those you, lines. You, you yoded it. It was, it's like if, if uh, you know, if Yoda said it, it's about how it would have come out. And so. that was exactly how I was going for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, um, but it becomes an issue and you're looking at it as, in terms of that. And, and, the good front offices and, and coaching staffs that have that alignment, like they've discussed this before. You know, your GM and your coach discuss this, and and, and and you're in line. And it's probably brought up in a coach's meeting where, like, hey, guys, what do you guys think of this? Or if you have an assistant that was on that team with that guy, yo, what's your intel on it? What's your view on it? And things like that. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. The thing that people have to understand, most trades, there are some trades that come together very, very quickly. But most trades have been talked about within the office. Well, I mean, what do you say, Seth? Like probably like a week, like or a four oh, or five oh, days, no, like no, I mean, no, even longer, that. like more than yeah, I mean, that. It's, it's, like, I mean, you're discussing like everything mid December, like you know, it's the like um, there's there's sort of a there, there's the board doesn't really come out till a little bit closer to the trade deadline, and the board is in some places it's a physical object where there's like a whiteboard you, or like a magnet board you put all the trades in and then occasionally someone signs a contract with the, with the trade board in the background and it's embarrassing for everybody um i think that happened to the magic around yeah uh, when when, yeah. Patrice, when patricio garrido signed signed with them i believe uh late what season deal they they uh <laughs> They had like you could see that they're they're like trade board in the background. That's always a little embarrassing when that gets out there. So people are understandably pretty paranoid. Cause also, you don't want your like uh, you don't want your players to see their name on your trade board. Because even though everyone kind of you know everyone says and most people like understand like oh it's a business. It's still like that's instability, especially if it's a player who's maybe a little bit older has has a family. Like you know that's 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 a, that's a stress. That's a life, definitely a life stress to know that you're you're in, involved in this. And like, frankly, if I was in that position, I'm not sure if I would want to know that I was possibly getting traded, uh, and therefore not surprised when it happened, or if it would just it would be like a shock in the moment. But ultimately, better to just like, oh hey, my, your agent calls, oh hey, you're getting traded. Um, I don't I don't know which way that I would I would prefer that. But but the, the point being is like you end up you know what what happens in most teams is uh, there are different guys you know in the front office who are uh, empowered to make calls um, and right. like hey who 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 knows someone in the Hornets front office you got a good relationship with him it'll be he'll be straight with you all right you talk to him and kind of see what they're thinking and you kind of divide it up that way and this is this this starts in earnest you know usually six weeks maybe a little bit more out from the trade deadline. And it's really constant 
but it, it, it starts getting very directed around that time, which, you know, this year was weird because that's like the start of this info session was like at the height of like COVID, like right. COVID absences. So instead of doing, making these calls, it's like, we need a 10 day. Um, so, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah. And, and also like, uh, I think I heard Hollinger bring this up. It was like, um, also like, there's a lot of front office guys of people who got COVID too. So it's like there was that the, the, the ability to kind of make those calls was just lower. Um, but what happens is you get, you sort of get an idea of the universe of, you know, players that teams are just not moving team players that they would have to get bowled over for guys. They'd be okay moving for, you know, kind of whatever and guys they actively want to get rid of. And like from that universe, you start to construct, you know, uh, concepts and, you know, calls kind of go back and forth about those. And either a team will say, nah, it's not something we're interested in. It's like, okay, you move along and say, hmm, let, let me think about that. We'll throw it up on our board and we'll kick it around in our group. Uh, and yeah. that, you know, that means it's not something you're going to very rarely do you like almost never, I would say, is it, Hey, would you trade X for Y? And like, yeah, let's call the league. That like, right. Well, let's go. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of conversations that go into a lot of this in normal times, I would say, starts at the G League showcase, which is usually around December, just before Christmas, if I'm correct. Yep. You know, but you get a lot of that intel sharing and, and, and gathering information in that process. Right. And, and, and getting everything you just said, finding out who they like, who don't they like. Not even that, who they're going after in trades, who they yep. kind of want to trade for and things like that. And, you know, this is. This, this is the prime time right now for that third team to pop in and snag Jared Allen, right? Like, I mean, think about – we're talking about how great Cleveland has been. Think about how instrumental just being that team, being very opportunistic, knowing like, hey, I'm in a situation I could jump in and grab a piece right now because of this, what's going on in this trade. It's, it's, that's a team that was plugged in and knew what was going on and knew the opportunities that were out there and, and like, hey – Raise their hand. I'm available. You guys, you guys want to send us something? We're free. Um, and 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 started to look for pieces. So this, it's an interesting time in this trade market in general, just because getting the information, gathering it all, and start figuring out who's going where, and how can I be a part of? How can I sort of? How can my team benefit off of that? Even if we're not getting the major principles in that. Sure. So let's let's you know let's 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 pivot to the to you know the Portland. Um, New Orleans deal. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about timing and information gathering. And part of the reason I didn't really like the first deal Portland made from their side is like, okay, they, I didn't think they got a great return for two, I think guys, guys, you know, Robert Covington, Norm Powell, two guys who could help uh, a playoff team. I didn't think they got a great return on that. And it's kind of, you can understand that Norm Powell's got, you know, four years and a lot of money left on his contract. Um, Covington has been, not awesome the last couple of years, but still has, has a lot of things to offer. Um, and so, but if they'd ended up getting, you know, a, a, a mediocre pick and Keon Johnson um, for them at the deadline, it's like, okay, well, they, they, they did what they could, but they made the trade a week early. Now knowing that they were, that's a trade that was anticipation in anticipating something else happening. It, it does make a little more sense to me. Um, but even even just taking it on its own merits, I thought they they crushed the CJ McCollum trade. I thought it was great in that it clears so much space for them, you know, and 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 getting 
they got what a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick out of that too. Yeah, yeah. All right, getting a, a, a first round draft pick out of that, which is something they didn't get in the the trade with the Clippers, which also kind of made me go like, hey, I don't really. I, I was with you. I was like, what are they doing in that instance? But I think it's a matter of just like, hey, we're cleaning up everything, and I think the they've created what about like sixty million dollars in cap space, and they have like a twenty one million dollar trade exception now. Um, and if they, I read. They, they cleared, you know, they cleared space for Simons to be to like step into that that two guard role, and and you know, it doesn't. I don't know if that materially changes what their backcourt looks like, but it's sort of you 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 got some you got some things to kind of clear that space and, and move a similar guy in, and you added you know a what looks to looks like it has a really good good chance of being a pretty good draft pick. In, right. in in the the Orleans, the protected New Orleans pick, as well as Josh Hart, who is a a guy who they could they could deal to a third team now and get a pretty good return. They could do so at the draft and get a pretty good return, or if they decide to retool and and make a push next year with Dame back healthy, he'd be a pretty good player for them on a very reasonable contract. So I thought that was just that was that was from their standpoint. I thought it was a, just a, a, a spectacularly well executed. Yeah, I thought I I I think it's a good trade for them again. Like I can see where they're going. My only questions for them is one: we've already seen Dame with a small two guard, right? Like we can agree, Simons and, and CJ are, are similar, except you know, and Simons about to get get paid and all of that. It's it's we've already seen this story before, for the most part. Like I'm not. That's kind of what bothers me with this, with the moves they've made, not just this trade, but the whole thing. And it's, you know, the idea of, like, I have, I tweeted out some stuff. People are like, well, they've cleared space. They're going to be able to go sign a free agent. Who was the last big free agent that said, Portland, I want to go there? Like, in their prime, ready to roll. I mean, Melo didn't even want to go at first, right? Like, and he was towards the end of his career. It's it's it's, it's that kind of stuff where I'm not sure where their, their next move is. And to me, if, this, if, if your next move is, okay, we're going to go try to sign somebody, in a year where there's not that many great free agents, unless maybe Bradley Beal opts out or something like that, I don't really think having cap space is a big thing for them. And I don't think they're a destination. I, I'm almost like, it to me, this is like, cool, you're trading Dame in July. And now you're going into a total rebuild. That's well, really what I, it feels like. So I'm not sure I agree with that, because I think, like, like this is, cap space can also, you can, they can, you know, they can, they can, trade for guys under contract too and use right. the cap space that way and i think that's you know now having added additional kind of you know draft capital and, and assets to to do so they have they have that option also and especially when there's not a lot of cap space out there which um you know both for teams wanting to make signings but also for teams who you know oftentimes they, they need to just move players around if just for roster purposes and being able to trade guys into space is useful. And so being able to facilitate that is another kind of nice option that they'll have this summer. Like they'll like Oklahoma City has been sort of the team that's been the facilitator for that. And you know, I don't I don't want to make you talk about the Thunder because you get yourself in trouble when you start to talk about the Thunder. No, no, I don't I'm they can come at me. I've already stole yeah. their football coach for USC. They can come at me all they want. I'm <laughs> Bring it. But <laughs> but here's the thing, Seth. All of those things are for teams that are rebuilding. You have Dane, 32 years old at this point, who he didn't look healthy this year, obviously coming back from uh, abdominal surgery and things like that and, and, and all of that stuff. But, like, 
that's a long process to build a contender around Dame. You know, it's just like, it. It's, my thing is like, because you're 100% right, having that cap space allows you to take on a contract and take an asset back. You know, it's, it's, it's the playbook that all these teams that are doing when they're rebuilding and making the smart moves that we all applaud. We're like, that's a smart move. That's going to go a long way. Cleveland, again, kind of that team right there, and it opened up a lot of stuff for them. I don't know if that's out there in terms of, I don't know what's getting moved, because I feel like the guy that ends up getting moved right now in this instance is Tobias Harris. That ain't helping Portland, <laughs> you know, like in that contract, right? Like Philly's trying to get off that contract, you know, and, 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 and maybe you get some draft assets out of that, but that doesn't move them into the ability to contend in the Western Conference. And that's why I feel like, to me, it's like, wow, this is a this is leading down just one path to me, and that's you're going to strike out in free agency because, again, I don't think there's a lot of great free agents out there. And Dame's just going to look around going, like, we're nowhere near contending trade me and I think that's kind of the path and I don't necessarily think that's the wrong path for Portland they've run their course right I think no again again I think like that's like you, these are you know all, all of what you're describing is because if they are in a, in a situation where they decide like the like you know Dame and and the the team kind of agree and that's that's what's going to come to that that it's time to move on like they will get a very good return on, on, on dealing him still. So it, these are, these are good problems to have. Either they figure out a way to retool into something like a, like a playoff, a decent playoff level team, or they end up going the other way. But if they end up going the other way, like, again, they've, they've kind of done a little bit of a jump start on, on, you know, you, you know, you mentioned liking, liking how, uh, how Indiana has done. I think that, you know, getting this this New Orleans pick. You know, this is this is, you know, it's it's top four protected and if it's I think uh sixteen or higher it ends up going I forget to Memphis maybe? I don't remember where Can can we can we ask the league for less complicated pick protections? Please no. I actually prefer no no because it's too confusing for me and my feeble <laughs> brain, Seth. Like I can't deal with this anymore. If it goes here, if it's this guy, if it's this or this, it goes to this place, it goes to that place. Guys Teams, help me out, okay? I'm not smart. Okay, I can't keep up with this. I did not watch Charlotte, the movie. By the way. Charlotte is the third team. Charlotte, right? Like now, I got to figure out this. This pick's going 15 different ways. I barely, if I, I try to follow the draft, and I have no idea where these guys are going. Help me out here. I'm a big believer in no protections at all. We should just get rid of that altogether, <laughs> and, and just go like, if you're going to trade a pick, trade the damn pick. <laughs> I'm tired of these protections, and I've. Yes, to understand, Seth. This, this goes a long way with me. I was with the Clippers when we had that Minnesota pick from the Marco Yards trade, which just every year had one less protection on it. I felt like we had that pick for 25 years, and eventually we traded it for uh, Chris Paul. But, like, it's just those things were just the pick protections, man. And now it gets more complicated when it has it can go five different places. Right. That's fair. Uh, so let's talk, let's talk about the uh, New Orleans side of this. I don't like it. I'm with you. <laughs> um, Desperate. This is there's 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 like there's a way to look at this trade uh, and say it illustrates uh, something that I think we've talked about before, and it's it's not it's not an original thought or anything. But if your GM is on the hot seat, go ahead and fire him already, because yeah. one side of this trade did that. You know, other things were involved with with Neil Olshay getting fired, obviously, but. 
one side did that and the other didn't. And it's sort of like you won, like Portland sort of won the moral hazard lottery of, of, of a GM making moves that are probably short-sighted for the franchise chasing a, a outcome this year that will, you know, help their chance of, of keeping their job. Is that too simple? Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's the trading for Blake Griffin, you know, and, and, and making that move type of deal. Granted, uh, CJ McCollum, much better <laughs> health wise, you know, knock on wood than Blake and all of those things and stuff like that. But it's, it's a desperate move to try to save your job. And I don't even think you needed to do it. So look at where New Orleans was just yesterday before this trade, right? They were in the play-in game after going, after that horrible start. They've crawled back in. They're 10th in the West. Like, it's not it's not inconceivable that they're going to make the play-in tournament without Zion Williamson playing a single minute in this, this season. And that was before this trade. Like, it wasn't out of the question there. And it's it's uh, Zach Lowe and, and Tim Bonteps talked about this on, on the Lowe Post. You know, I listened to it just last night. But, you know, they, they you know, Zach had the, the, the perfect point there of going like, Yes, C.J. McCollum's a better player than Josh Hart. No-brainer. Josh Hart is an important piece for this starting lineup that this team has for, for New Orleans. And it's one of the better starting lineups in the league. And I think it's, it's opened up. It puts them in a position where they can play both ends of the court, right? Josh Hart's a utility guy. He, does, he plays on both ends of the court. C.J. McCollum? Plays on one side of the court, all on offense. And if he's not making his shots, you're in trouble. You know, you're not you're not getting a lot. And should Zion come back this season, which I don't think he should play at all this season, I think we've we've discussed it before. Um, but I think even if Zion comes back, you need less of him on the ball. You know, and and because the ball is going to be in Zion's hands a lot, so his shot creation goes down as Zion becomes becomes the main shot creator and that stuff. His spacing matters because he's going to be able to shoot, and you're not going to leave him. But I think it becomes he becomes less valuable at that point, and I just I just look at that trade and I just go, man, like you didn't really need to do that, you know. And then to send a first round pick along the way again, it's those are those are assets, you know, and that's something you you could have flipped somewhere else down the road. No, I think that I think that like the way the, the like I like I think that you know factoring contracts and sort of playoff versatility into it i think that you know if it was mechanically possible like heart from a column straight up as weird as that sounds i mean because cj makes three times as much like that's that's right that's a big part of it um but like josh hart is the exact kind of player like how often are we talking about you know hey that uh that mid-sized physically strong tough rebounding can guard multiple positions can shoot a little can defend a little like, how often do we talk about that's the guy you can't have enough of in the playoffs? You need him so badly. It's the thing that kind of constantly gets overlooked. And then in the playoffs, you're like, crap, I needed that. You know, and, and, and I think it's it's just such he does all those small things that really matter. It's not flashy, not really uh, um, exciting in any way. But, like, he just makes hard plays. He just plays hard. He gets that, that one loose ball that you really need. It's It's – those guys and and those guys change the complexions of playoff series, right? Like to win a championship, you need guys, you need the stars, you know, and 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 all of that. I think that's pretty obvious. But Milwaukee doesn't win a championship without Bobby Portis, without right? Pat and Bobby, 
I mean, more, more pertinently, like, like more, 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 more to hearts. Point, yeah. Right. You know, uh, and, but it's like, you know, um, you need those types of guys to get you into those situations. It's, it's, it's so many pieces. It's the Danny Greens of the world, it's the Alex Caruso's it's, um, all of that is, is the stuff that kind of matters. And that's what they gave up in heart. And it's not like you're going to championship this year, but heart's a valuable piece. And it's, you know, are, do you understand that value? You know, and I think that's the thing you're going to be missing. And in the playoffs, as, as great as CJ is in terms of his ability to score, he's very limited. You know, it's, 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 you're going to be in a situation where you're going to need stops and you're just going to depend on Herb Jones, who I absolutely love, but is also a rookie. You know, and, 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 and it's going to come down to, like, we're just putting all this on the rookie now. He's got to guard the best player, and, you know, there's no help behind him. Valanciunas is okay defensively. They, everybody else afterwards, like, who are their best defenders on that team? I think Larry Nance will help them. I like that they got him, but that's assuming he's healthy and, and, and ready to roll. But after that, like, I just, I just don't get what that team, was, what they're doing. Now, some of the criticism of this is maybe like the, some of the shortcomings that, that, you know, you and I see in McCollum, especially as a playoff performer, kind of almost don't matter for, for, right. where, for where New Orleans is. Um, but at the same time, this is, a, this is a, you know, a similar reason why, you know, this is, this is almost of a piece with the Halliburton Sabonis bit, right? Is, um, you know, being the tenth best shooting guard, which I think that's reasonable, um, that's a reasonable estimate for where. Like, I'm not going to go through it, but that's a reasonable estimate for where CJ is. Maybe a little higher, right. but still. Okay, well, that's you know your top third of the league. Okay, your average among playoff teams as a shooting guard. You're a lot. You're below average, you know, at the second round level and a liability at the conference championship level. And so that's and and if if those are if those are your guys who are making maxish money. That just sort of that's a, that's an upside limiter, I think. But maybe New Orleans doesn't care because they needed the floor raised. So that's like you see how they they talk themselves into that. I just like I feel like you just if you have a talent like Zion, you have to be aiming a little higher. Yeah, and especially when you're paying CJ thirty three and thirty five million over the next two years uh, out, out after this season. You know, because now that's a dude that's a hard contract to move. People are going to be not as interested in him. I mean, again, it didn't take that much for Portland to get, uh, 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 for, for New Orleans to get him in terms of it's not a heavy star going the other way or anything like that. You know, it's, it's people were waiting for this to be the Ben Simmons trade, and the Sixers were like, we don't want CJ, and a lot of that has to do with the contract. You're in a tough situation with, with what this team's looking for, and you're right. Like, when you go looking forward towards the playoffs, where do they want to be two years from now, right? They want to be at least a top six team in the playoffs with Zion rolling, you know, hopefully CJ being a great wingman in, 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 in that instance. But it's like, I don't trust him. You, I don't, you, know, I, you know who two guys you'd really like to have when you get to that spot would be? Be Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, Ball and Josh Hart. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the thing, right? Like, again, it, this is a different trade to me if they have Lonzo. You know what I mean? Like, if they just happen to have Lonzo and they made this trade, then I'm like, yo, that's actually a really good trade. You know? Like, that's, I'm that's really excited. That's a great excited. pairing. Yeah. See, yeah, like, like, yeah. Like, 
that's that's like that's why we that's exactly why we and I think Levine is a better player than McCollum at this point. But that's right. why we love the fit with of Lonzo in Chicago. It's like, hey, him and Zach Levine. That's that makes perfect sense in terms of you know, you know filling in for each other's weaknesses and complementing each other. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the 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 problem here with with New Orleans. It's a very short sighted move, and if. And listen, if they end up falling out of the playing tournament, granted, they're just barely in it right now. But if they end up falling out of it, you know, now you're in a tough situation. And now you have, again, a, a general manager that's looking around trying to save his job again, you know, which means more unpredictability, more wild possible moves, you know. And I love Griff, I, you know. Um, but, like, when you're looking at it going like, man, this is you're, – you're getting desperate and you're risking a lot in the process. And I think it's it's – you're putting yourself in a very dangerous position going forward. And, you know, I'm worried about New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've kind of been there since the start of the season and we've like the, the Zion situation is, is uncomfortable at minimum. Just if, if, (laughs) Very, very much. Yeah. I mean, you know, like there's the health aspect and then there's the, um, are we going to be able to resign, keep this guy, here basically and and it's it's you don't want to it's a little pat to say hey they're just running the ad playbook back but you know they're too early moves to try to put players around the guy to try to convince him to do stuff is sort of it's 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 a little it's a little monkey's paw isn't it like you're yeah. like we're <laughs> oh and then what happened so i just you just have to be worried it's it's just along those lines, you know. And I liked what they were doing, you know. And, and for I didn't think they needed to make this trade. That's really ultimately the thing. There are teams we look at going like, "Yo, you need a trade. You need to make something happen. You're in a tough position." I was looking at New Orleans, going like, "Yo, you guys are fine. Listen, you make the play, and that's like, you know, icing on the cake. You know, I saw you're a lottery team. Have a chance at another high lottery pick, but." It's it's a big deal if you make the plan and you didn't have Zion for most of the season. That's pretty exciting there, and that's something you can kind of build off that excitement and look forward to next season. Maybe a small trade move, Garrett Temple. If you can get off Devontae Graham, you do that. But like, I just felt like this was a wild swing when you didn't even need to take a pitch. So let's let's. Uh... You mentioned like which teams need to make a trade. Like, like, okay, there are teams you think need to make a trade. Who like name names? Oh, come on. Okay, well, no, I think Golden State needs to make a move for a big. Maybe yeah. they get one in the buyout market, but you know the, the Draymond injury is a problem. Well, I mean, that, that's one of those things that you can't like. I don't think you you react to the Draymond injury because if Draymond's injured, you you don't win. So right. you have to, any, any move you make has to be under the assumption that Draymond is healthy because it, like, it's like any, any other scenario, it's like, well, that's, I guess we had, a, we had a fun start to the season. Let's try it again next year because they just, it's just not. So I don't think you can, like, you know, it's like, like this, this came up one time. It's just like we were, we were talking about, like, getting, you know, insurance at various things. It's like, what kind of insurance do we have if Giannis goes down? It's like. Yeah, well, we, no. we lose. <laughs> we lose. Like, it's, it's, yeah, like it's not their Giannis, not Draymond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. I th- actually, I actually, I think I honestly, I think it was Chris Middleton. Like, oh, well, what do we do if Chris goes down? Like, right. 
then we're not going anywhere. Like it's like right. that's, that's that's just how it works. There's no, we're not going to. You can't acquire a guy who can make up for that because if you're the guy who could make up for that, he would be better than just, he would be doing more for you than just making up for that. But you even know. if even if Draymond's healthy, they still need a big. They're still yeah. short a big man. I think. I don't think they're a championship team right now. Even even with a healthy Draymond, everybody can go nuts and, and go crazy. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at the Suns, they're built perfectly. I even think, you know, it, they if they should kind of be just sending a call over to the Clippers and see what they want to do with Covington. Just just test the waters. Um, and, and, and or Marcus just, Morris. Or Marcus Morris. I would do Covington because at least he's a free agent at the end of the year, the year, and you're not tying up too much money, and we know how much Robert Sarver loves that. Um, but I think the important aspect of it is, you know, for the, the, the Warriors, they're short a big man. And just look at the fact that the Suns have like 50 of them. Really, they should call the Suns to see if they can get a big man. <laughs> you know, if they can get one of their big guys. Um, but the Suns have loaded up on that aspect because that's what hurt them in the final, right? Dario Sarge goes down. Now you have to depend on minutes from Frank Kaminsky, you know, versus Giannis. Well, good luck there. Um, I think it becomes a, an issue there, and I think that's the, the problem for the Warriors. I think Utah needs needs a lot defensively. Needs to find a defensive wing. I don't think that's Josh that's Hart, out there. Um, Joe Ingles, and something for for Josh Hart is is kind of st- sitting right there. Now, whether that that something is enough to make Portland want to do that now, it's an open question. But that's, I mean, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Hey, and we said trades don't happen quickly. Um. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I mean, I've, I've had that, like, I have, like, since the, since the news of the, uh, the McCollum trade broke, I've had basically that exact trade suggested to me by about four different people. So there you it's, go. Uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's staring, it's sitting right there for you. So yeah, right there. And I think, you know, I mean, I know Brooklyn's looking for another shooter and, 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 and there in that, that department, because with Joe Harris going down, it sounds like probably for the year. I think they're in a tough spot. I think everybody's trying to look to just every contender should be willing to say, "Hey, we'll we'll make the right trade." Chicago, same thing as the Warriors. Probably need to look for big man depth. You know, they're trying to go after Yaka Portal. That's not a. a um, I think the the Spurs kind of uh, told them to kick rocks with their offer. Uh, I think you know it's. I think the contenders all need to look to add one more big. You know, I think the Raptors should be. I, mean, I feel bad for the Raptors. I thought Sabonis would have been a perfect fit for them there. They could cover for his defensive mistakes, you know, cover for his defense, and they get some good offense out of there, and, and, and just a reliable post presence for them would go a long way. But um, the, uh, the it's going to be interesting, man. I, I think a lot of teams, I think there's a lot of buyers, and, and it's just a matter of are there enough sellers. Yeah, I think that's right. Um let me see. Probably should, should wrap up here soon. Um, anyone, anyone out there have uh, any other questions? We'll, we'll try to get to them. Mo, we, we before we wrap, we got to do this again because we had all kinds of like you know inside <laughs> basketball-y topics that we wanted to get to, and then like the, the, the league refused to cooperate with us. Um, they they, so, they yeah. were supposed to do all these trades on Thursday for yeah, us. Yeah, well, well, they, well, well, hopefully they do. They do a couple during the live show. Um, for folks that don't know, Mo and I are joining uh, our. our Regular partner Dave Dufour on uh, Thursday at two thirty Eastern. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, two thirty Eastern. We're gonna we're gonna have a, a live uh, reaction show as as the trade deadline goes down. So uh, be sure to check that out. 
Um, Mo, anything else you want to get to before we before we get before we get you out of here? Well, I'm 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 good, man. Let's fire away with questions. Let's let's let's, let's talk to the people. Yeah. I'm looking, and there I think we've we've beat them into submission with our with our wit and wisdom. There we go. That's that's usually actually that's my attitude. Yeah. Um, oh, about, oh, here you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you look like a Spurs fan. The other Spurs. <laughs> is, that a, is that a Tottenham logo I see in your in your uh, um, your avatar? Hit the hit the mic button at the bottom right there. Go unmute yourself. There you go. Hello. Yep. Hey guys, how you doing? Fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Raptors fan. I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan. <laughs> there you go. Is it yeah, a Raptors I'm, logo? Yeah, no, right. no, no, that's a that's a Tottenham Hotspur logo. But I'm, I'm calling okay. about the Raptors. Okay. Sure. Um, sorry, sorry about the noise. I'm, I'm at work. No worries. Um, I, I thought like it would be better if the Raptors actually got a guard instead of a big. Like they're playing lineups like with all these six nine six nine guys, you know, long wingspan. That's great. And yeah, and it's, I, I think it's working <laughs> well. Like if they get a big, they have to change their whole scheme and everything. Like if they got a guard, like Buddy, like I, I would love Buddy Hield, but I think that would be better for like you know for the for the team. What do you guys think? No, they can use they they can certainly use shooting. That's 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 for sure. I mean, maybe I mean <laughs> they could use a guy with Gordon Dragic's skill set. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I don't know. What do you what do you, I mean? They I mean they 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 have so many different ways they can go because they've got so much versatility on their team. Like they're just like honestly, I don't even know if you need to worry about positions so much. Just like getting a getting uh, one more player. Yeah. Just get yeah getting one more dude. Like almost regardless of position, they can slot them in because they're so versatile up and down the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think. Sorry. I, I my only thing is I just think towards the playoffs, they're going to need a big man, right? Just somebody, you know, just a bonus with at least the twelve rebounds a game. We've turned into inside the NBA here now. Saying yeah, everything. right. Well, no, but it's, it's, this is <laughs> yeah, the I year. Know, this is this is the year of the playoffs where you just think about it in the Eastern Conference, right? You're probably going to have to go through either Miami or Milwaukee to get to the finals. And, look, and look, I know, Toronto. It, it, well, I was getting there, but yeah. like, you jumped the gun there. Oh, so that's Bam, that's Bam or Giannis. You know, and, and, and at some point, you're going to run into Philly. You know, somewhere in that mix, depending how all these things shake up. You know, the only team that you probably don't need a big against in the Eastern Conference is Toronto and Brooklyn. Like, in Cleveland, you're going to have Mobley and Jared Allen. Like, there's you know, and, and and Charlotte, assuming I, I have no idea where they are in this game, yeah, but, but like Charlotte, you're just going to score 125 points a night in the playoffs and figure. Yeah, out. and you're just going to run run up and down anyway. Just track me. But like looking towards the playoffs, that's what you need. You know, because you're going to need at least somebody to be a big man and be be present. And as good as they are, as long as lanky and 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 all that length, you know, you know Giannis is going to eat them up in the post. Bam's going to be a problem for them. And you're going to have the same issues with Embiid in the post, you know, assuming they don't trade for Harden, because I think that would just derail the Sixers. But that's another podcast for another time. Um, <laughs> Maybe we'll get there on Thursday. But uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Or you can go read my article on Bleacher yeah. Report. I had to play. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, thank, thanks think, for the call. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm yeah. going to get back to work. Bye. Yep. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I'll take a couple uh, more here. Josh, uh, hit, the, hit, that, uh, hit that mic button there. And uh, what do you got for us? Hey guys, thanks for taking my question. Uh, sure. I am a Warriors fan, and I hear you guys say the Warriors need a big man. But the way I see it, the only big man I'm really worried about in the West is Jokic. And I think 
Draymond is the best Jokic defender probably in the whole NBA, or at least one of the top three or four. So to me, it makes more sense to kind of go after a big wing so that you get a little more rebounding in those Draymond at center lineups. Is there anyone you think they could acquire? And is it worth holding on to Kuminga and Moody and Wiseman as, like, this is a team that has a chance to be a, a special dynasty. Obviously, it already is, but really in that Bulls class, if they get another championship here, uh, wouldn't it make sense to say, who cares about three, four years from now? Let's win a title. Let's focus on winning a title now. So there's two questions there. First of all, the other big they have to worry about is DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Like that's that they don't, uh, you know, you, if you get, if you play the, the you know, that's their, that's their biggest thing, team they have to worry about in the West. And you get like an aggressive DeAndre Ayton for seven games and you're guarding him with Looney and that's all every game. That's going to be a problem for you. Now, maybe you overcome it by you, stre- you spread him out on the other end. But just in terms of his ability to, you know, duck in and score quickly, his ability on the offensive boards, his ability to cut off the paint defensively, um, not uh, not having more to, to contend with him, that's a, that's a weakness. Um, I'll, Mo, I'll let you answer the second part of the question. I think I've talked about about this this plenty. But what, like, yeah, what do you think? I, I mean, I think you, yeah, they'd be fine going after another wing. I wouldn't do it at the cost of going after another big, but again, and this is, this is very repetitive. They should call the Clippers. They should call Blazers. What are you doing with these guys? You know, call New Orleans. What are you doing with Larry Nance? You know, what's, is, is he a piece or is he a guy you guys might want to flip? Like they should be in on, on, on all of those, those guys and, and, and look to see who's available and whatnot. And to your question in terms of like, do you go for it with Kaminga and those guys? I, I'm a believer when you have a chance to win a championship, you go for it. Because you can't guarantee Kaminga is going to be the next superstar, right? Like there's no – people said that about Zion. Zion hasn't played. You know, and I think that's the thing. You can't sort of just pencil this stuff in with these guys. So holding on to that in a year where Curry's not going to be much younger. I mean, he's already kind of slipping a little bit numbers-wise, although he's still amazing. Draymond's getting older. Clay's getting older. You might have one or two years left of a run in you, so you kind of do have to start to think about, hey, let's put all our chips in and go for the championship. When you have that chance, you do it. And, you know, if it costs you Kaminga, it costs you Kaminga. I think it's – that's the big name there. I think Wiseman, I'm not very – I don't think is is I'm as interested in Wiseman as maybe I was a year ago. Moody hasn't done enough to really flash anything. So it'd be like, are you willing to really kind of part with Kaminga – and even if he did turn into a superstar, if you won a championship with the piece you traded for, traded him for, worth if, he, it. if he turns into a superstar three years from now, like that's that's sort of that almost doesn't matter, like because your 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 championship level talent will have aged out almost certainly by then. So, yeah. Uh, let's get to let's get to two more, and then we got to get out of here. Uh, I'm I apologies in advance. I'm afraid I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce your name, but Yilong. Hopefully, I hopefully got them. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, oh, or not, he ran away. Uh, you 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 mispronounced his name and he was gone. Yeah, uh, Ryan. Uh, I, oh, nope. He'll he'll will be up next. But uh, Ryan, what 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 do you got? And then we'll take one more. Out of this and get out of here. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. 
Sure. Uh, so sorry if I'm beating the dead horse on the Golden State topic here, but uh, <laughs> uh, one name I wanted to run by, uh, I was reading Jake Fisher's reporting this morning that uh, Thad Young would be expected to be bought out by the Spurs if uh, if, if uh, they can't make any sort of trade for him. So that was a name that I sort of liked for them as a guy who uh, is a second unit center, a good passer, could kind of play within their offense. Uh, but obviously there's a roster spot issue with them. So I was wondering uh, what, if anything, could be done about that. And do you think that that would be a good fit if Thad Young is indeed bought out? No, that's, I, that's fine. That's Yeah, that's, that's, that's sure. That's a... I mean, that's the, if you can't do, you can't make a big move and a move around the edges just to get a credible body in there. I think you know, rebalance. You know, I'm not. I think you'd have to think about which of sort of the peripheral guys. I would imagine that Kioza's probably is Kioza on a two way. I forget off the top of my head. But like, but well, one of those guys, right? Yeah, like on I, that level. But one of the one of the wing size players is or one of the the, the guard or wing size players. You probably want to keep, you, you have to keep uh, JTA. So, but you, I mean, you, you're not using Hall 15 years. But this, this is actually, though, this is an interesting thing that uh, when I had Andy Liu and, and uh, Sam Esfandiari on uh, about 10 days ago is, is for a championship team to be burning three roster spots on like pretty pure developmental guys is actually pretty unusual. And that's, so that's, that's a little bit of where the, the Warriors are getting themselves in this crunch of not being as positionally versatile on the bench as maybe they'd want to be is they're using three spots on guys that they're looking at for, you know, 24, 25. And the, the, the thing about that, young, the buyout market's going to go crazy for him when he's available. His agent better get, make sure his phones are charged that day. Cause it's and, and phones. Cause there's going to be several different phone calls coming in because every team's going to go after him and he's just going to get his, his his pick and the Warriors will definitely be a team that will take a look at him. Uh, every contender is going to make the call. What's Warriors, Bucks, Nets, like, Nets, Suns, uh, yeah. everybody. I wanted to say one thing because we were ta- when we were talking about the bigs about who the Warriors got to worry about. It's kind of a, a quite a drop off for the Jazz, right? Like we no longer have to worry. <laughs> they don't have to worry too much about Gobert just because how bad the Jazz have been lately. Um, in that, but it's just pretty interesting in that whole scenario. But to add on to the buyout market, it's going to get crazy because I think Derek Favors is going to probably get bought out in Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a couple of names. You know, Paul Millsap will be a guy that'll be available in the buyout market. I don't know how much he moves the needle, and I think sometimes we overrate the buyout market. But Thad Young is going to be number one on everybody's list, and it's going to be quite a competition for him. Sure. All right, uh, we'll take one more and. Uh... And again, apologies if if I've pronounced your name wrong, Yalong. But uh, please, like, first of all, correct me, and then uh, what can we do for you? What's going on, guys? No, no, no. I mean, Sass, you nailed it. You nailed awesome. it. That's. Uh, I was don't know. I was so hoping he was going to get it wrong. I wanted to make fun of him so bad. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Uh, I'm uh, calling from. Boston, uh, big Pacers fans here. Uh, oh, by the way, you know, I'm uh, reading the mid-range theory uh, halfway through it. Great book. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, and uh, apologies because, uh, you know, I, mer- I missed the first part of the, the, the discussion. Sure. But, um, you know, if this is a 
repetitive question, but uh, you know, obviously, a good day for all us Pacers fans. You know, it just day. came from Reddit. Every you know, everywhere was explosive. Uh, but you know, how do you how do you like the idea of you know Halliburton being like a franchise point guard, uh, and how specifically how do you like the pairing of uh, Halliburton and Turner, if you know Turner is not moved uh, before Thursday? How about you take the first crack at this, Mo? Well, I think it's it, that's a tough one, see, because I think this Halliburton's been in hell in Sacramento. Um, I think him and Turner will be interesting. Nice little pick and pop action. You can see with that and everything that goes with it. Um, I like it. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can be. I think, like we said earlier, like with Rick Carlisle and everything that goes with it, I think we're going to see a pretty solid Halliburton there. And, 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 and I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited to see what we get there. I think my one concern there is it's, it's, you kind of like a little bit of the, um, with pick and roll combos, you kind of like the guys to be moving in different directions. Is what I mean by this is if it's a if it's a dive man who is the the screen setter, you kind of want a guy who could just a pull up shooter. And if it's a if it's a pop guy, you kind of want a guy who is a dynamic driver to the basket. But I think that that Halliburton is at least at this point is more of a of a pull up and floater guy, and Turner's obviously a, a pop guy. So that's. Like, I see it being a possibly good combo, but I do worry a little bit about that, not having kind of the ability to both pressure the rim and the three-point line at the same time, the way you might like want ideally. Um, at the, and at the same time, I think that while Halliburton has a chance to be a franchise point guard, as of right now, I think the more likely outcome for him is to be in that sort of Mikhail Bridges elite role player kind of uh Level, which is still is a fantastic player, and now you're adding, you know, you're adding a, a, a top draft pick and, and using that to hopefully get kind of the drink stir. But I do, I think it would be expecting a little much of him to think that he's going to be your your sort of, um, you know, first or second team All NBA kind of makes everything go guy. I think you know when you look at Halliburton, Halliburton's going to be a guy at some point in his career going to be the important piece to a championship not the not the fulcrum not the major the 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 star player there but he's going to play an important part as on a championship team or a contending team as a high level role player the way like Mikhail Bridges was a perfect name Seth when you dropped it it all just kind of clicked in my head I think that that's kind of the level you're you're looking from for him when you're at a when you're at a contending championship level the paces aren't there right now they're going to have it's going to be a while before they get there, but I think that's kind of the, to me, the ceiling for Halliburton. But he's he's twenty one in his second year, so you have plenty of time to add the other, like the main pieces around him. He's not like a, you know, you trade for a guy like that when he's you know twenty five and on his second contract, and that's just like mm, you better already be good if you're doing that. But if he's you know he's still on his like early in his rookie deal. Then you're you feel pretty good about it, and and I think for like again you missed you missed the start of the convo, but I think we both are pretty big fans of what Indiana has done so far over the last you know four or five days. Awesome, awesome. Appreciate the insights, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Mo. Let's uh, let's get you out of here um, and uh, let give let uh, plug your uh, plug your Twitch stream and the other stuff you're doing before we let you get yeah. out of here. So I do a uh, stream on Twitch. I break down a ton of games. 
going to actually probably pop on live and have the same conversation I just had with you with with some of the <laughs> my my followers on Twitch. Um, I'm going to talk about how much I hate Seth on there as well. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but uh, how much Twitch, you wish feline violence on me every time we chat? Every time, in particular when we have videos on um, Twitch.tv/slash/modethekeel underscore NBA. Uh, you can find me there. Just go on Twitter at ModeTheKeel underscore NBA. You'll find all of my stuff. I have an article that dropped on why I think it's a bad idea for the Sixers to trade for James Harden. I don't think it's a good basketball fit. And, you know, you'll find everything I do there, the One Mo Thing videos, everything I do. Uh, and anytime I do anything great, or if you just want to see pictures of my dog, just follow me on Twitter. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Mo, for 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 coming on to join. Uh, I am back tomorrow afternoon with uh, with Nate Jones of Goodwin Sports, who uh, will have some I, someone I've wanted to have on basically since I started. One of the reasons I kind of wanted to do a podcast was to talk to people like Nate. Uh, he'll have interesting thoughts on the endorsement games, the endorsement game NIL, uh, and also he will have some insights into sort of how uh, how how players view and deal with this this time of year. So uh, join me then, and thanks for joining me and. Thanks a lot uh, for coming on, Mo. We will do this again in not too long, I am sure. And we can talk about the stuff we actually were planning on talking about. <laughs> exactly. We've got, we've got plenty of stuff left in the idea bank. But uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow.